1: Welcome back, Dave, into the Boiling Point podcast headquarters in the center of the universe, St. John, New Brunswick. How you doing, Dave? I'm doing great. The sunny St. John, by the way. Yeah, I mean, like it's fall already, but it's... Fe- no, is it fall? No, it's not. not it's yet. not? Okay. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, th- this is actually a nice segue because the guest that we have coming on today is a very good friend of mine, number one. We go way back. But number two, when we're talking about seasons, um, he is selling my cottage right now, my my summer place. Oh, interesting! And the the,
2: the like out in the near um, on a the little piece of
1: around. paradise. Yeah. Oh, so if you're interested in buying it, Dave, oh, go to okay. JakePalmer.ca, right. and you know you, you'll scroll down, and you'll find it. It's no problem. And <laughs> Jake only has half an hour for us because right after this call, he's going to be going out on a full-on mission to sell the cottage. <laughs> so uh, yeah. So, so the reason I want to bring Jake in is. Uh, I've never met a more uh, enthusiastic uh, marketing genius before in my life, and when I say marketing genius, he's very clever with his marketing. But really, the marketing brilliance that comes from Jake is, once again, this thing we keep coming back to: it's all relationship based, right. and that's and that's the part about Jake that I I, I really appreciate. And uh, well,
2: and I, I was going to say it's 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 um, it's great. If you have a friend that you can do business with, in my opinion, you know 100%. what I mean, and especially something important like selling a cottage or home or whatever, right? right. And it
1: goes back to our last uh, guest, uh, Hal Summers, who of course was the uh, the auto sales guy, and uh, you know I I, I put a, a tough question out to Hal. I was like, you know, re- real estate agents and car salespeople have. You know, a challenge in a you know a, a little bit of a sketchy reputation from time to time. When you got guys like Hal and guys like Jake Palmer who are actually playing by the books and doing awesome things and building relationships, um, you know, uh, it's the same type of guys. So we've got we've got the Hal Summers of real estate on the phone right now. Jake Palmer, how you doing?
3: Good.
1: How's Craig? That's listen. How, how was that for an intro? I,
3: <laughs> I'm blushing. Did he Did he nail it? He nailed it. You know, it's funny because you, you, you talk about the industry, and uh, and and yeah, that's that's certainly one of the barriers. And uh, you know, I think that's something that we all have to overcome. I think the industry's changed a lot in the last few years, but uh, that's certainly something that you come across. It's frankly something. It's the one thing about this business that hurts my feelings mm-hmm. is that you do. You know, I'll do an open house, and I'm just being myself. People are coming in. And people do approach me with uh, with a degree of skepticism, you know, as as just a realtor that they haven't met yet. You do have to uh, you do have to overcome that perception that people have. Hmm.
1: Well, let's get, let's jump right into it, Jake. Well, yeah, how, like how, how do, we do you do this? Yeah, how do you? Yeah, because you do it successfully. You're you're one of the top agents in our area, and you know you're you're rocking it. You know, and obviously you you come to a trust point very quickly. So t- tell us about that a bit.
3: You know, it's funny because when I started, and that was just about uh, five years ago, I had my concept of what a real estate agent was supposed to look, supposed to talk, and supposed to act like. I was fortunate in that I got into the business through uh, through a guy that I uh, you know I met online uh, and uh, met on some other uh, forums. I think you know, Giraffical that forum, Greg. Yep. So I'm Mike Hawkins uh, through that forum. He was a Remax agent, and and it just struck me that this is a real normal guy, uh, a good father, a good parent, real trustworthy guy, and he's making a living at real estate. And I, at the time, worked in IT and had, you know, worked at the uh, worked at the light, and they'd been round and round after layoffs. And so I was always terrified. So I reached out to him to talk about the business, just to see the mechanics of it, to get a sense of how that works. And uh, and it struck me that, you know, here's a guy who doesn't, doesn't schmooze doesn't come across as greasy because you know I had that perception as well, and it was encouraging for me to realize that we don't have to fit those stereotypes to do well in the business. And as as I've progressed in the business, I've come to realize that most of the people that do really well in this business, that's true of them as well. They're people that have built long-lasting relationships with clients that have impressed and uh, and built the trust and uh, gained not just. The trust of that one client, but in turn, the trust of their, their family and friends and their whole sphere of influence. And and I've I've kind of just gone that route. You know, initially for sure. You know, I I you know I felt the need to wear a shirt and tie and a suit on appointments and um, and really felt that that was important. But over time, I've become more casual in the business as time has gone on, and uh, and I think clients are more. Uh, more comfortable with that anyway. I don't think people need the big shiny suit perception that a uh, lot of us see on reality TV shows and uh, and in magazines and things like that, because that's the part of real estate that's often promoted. And I don't actually see that working, especially with younger uh, younger clients nowadays.
1: hmm oh, Well, Jake. Okay, here's an interesting thing, Dave. Jake is actually. Uh, literally one of the top agents in the city, uh, and Jake. I don't know how you measure that, but you told me the other day that, uh, or a few weeks ago, about you know a, a measurement of sorts. Uh, you, you, and somebody else in your firm have been competing against each other. But Jake is right at the top. And here's the interesting thing: he hasn't been doing it for that, you know too long. How long ago, Jake? Did you uh, jump into this field?
3: I I got my real estate license the day before my daughter was born, so that was April. I got my real estate license on April third, two thousand nine. And so it's been about five, five and a half years. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, I started back in 2009 in St. John. The market was still very, very strong. And, you know, if you had a relatively reasonably placed home with, you know, pictures that didn't include garbage cans laying on their side in front of the house, if you put it on the market, it sold in a month. Like everything sold. And so I, I had a, I had a taste of that market for about 4 months before the door slammed shut in uh, in August of 2009 and I think I in the end I'm grateful for that because it meant that I built my business in what I would say was a receding market. Things got things got progressively tougher over that year and I had to scramble to to make it work. I wasn't one of these people that decided I was going to try real estate. Everyone talks about trying real estate, you know, and and it's not it's not something I was willing to try. I went in with the idea that I was going to succeed at this and, and, and you know, replace what was essentially a professional salary at the loan company. And so, you know, doing doing an average, uh, being an average real estate agent in the city wasn't going to be uh, enough for me. You know, I think the average industry in the city is under 10 sales a year.
2: Right.
1: Hard and, to make a living with that.
3: I couldn't float a boat on that. Like, yeah. it just wasn't, it wasn't feasible. And what, do you, and what,
1: what are you doing on average, uh, Jake? Like, you're, you're, you're throwing that out of the park. 50 to 60. You so, know what I'm saying? Like like tens an average, right? Yeah.
3: And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And that's just it. You know, there's a lot of agents that sell one or two homes a year, and there's a few agents that sell 70, 80 plus, right? Like there's 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 a, there, there are there's quite a range because there are a lot of people that do it part-time as well. And so I kind of – I didn't really expect, if I'm going to be really frank and honest, I didn't expect to be at this level in the business. I do like to say that I'm the number one agent in Saint John, with uh, two kids under five and a cat.
2: <laughs> that is a nice piece of marketing right there. So, Jake, <clears throat> I got a. Um, first off, what comes, what strikes me is that is not um, a natural career progression, you know, from IT into yeah. real estate. Like I, I, you know, you see a lot of people jump into real estate. Um, you know, obviously, very differently than you have. Maybe not with the same intentions or to try or whatever, but. I don't, see a, I don't know of a lot of people that jump from, from, you know, like an IT, you know, with an IT background, like a programmer or whatever you were doing, to, to becoming yeah. an agent. So that, that's pretty nontraditional in itself.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Oops. Sorry, go ahead. Hardly a choice. You yeah. know, I, I, I'm very grateful for the fact that I got booted out of Alliance. You know, one day they came, you know, during a round of layoffs, they came to me and gave me an outstanding opportunity to do anything I want as long as it wasn't there.
1: that's awesome man that's the that's the most optimistic thing i've heard on this podcast yet you know you know
3: and one of the things i like about the brokers that i work out of at remax is you know a few months before i got laid off i went to remax i went to the broker there gordon bro who is just he he defies all stereotypes of real estate as well because i went to him and said i'm really interested in real estate i've always wanted to do it as i'm sure many people have and I said, this is what I'm making now. You know, I'd, I'd like to go into real estate and try it. And, and he told me not to. He said, you know what? It's, it's an uphill battle. You've got to be ready to make no money for six months. And so you wait until you've got enough money saved to float yourself for six months. And within six months of that, I got laid off with a six-month severance. Oh, and sorry. just I appreciated that honesty so much because it's a business, you know, on the brokerage end of this business the goal is always to recruit more agents. I, you know, he could have schmoozed me and convinced me, Oh, look, you'll make a fortune your first year, yada, yada, yada. And he didn't. I just really appreciated that honesty. Um, and, uh, and it gave me a lot of confidence in, in trusting him as well.
2: Hey, I gotta So, well, that's important. and right? it's all this whole thing about trust and relationships. I mean, it just comes in Keep over back. and over and over again. I'm really interested in this idea of um, authenticity, right? Just being yourself. And you, you talk about, you know, as, you, as you've succeeded, as you've got, you know, confidence, probably all these things, you've realized that, you know, I can be me and me, I don't have to necessarily wear, uh, you know, a suit and tie, you know, this sort of thing. And I can relate to that in a lot of ways. And I tell a story, and I'm just going to ask you a question about this, uh, Jake, but I, I tell a story of, of these two personas I felt I had. One would be Corporate Dave. Corporate Dave's kind of stiff, and would talk about the ROI of coaching, and and then there was what I call the authentic day, which is me that can connect much more effectively with people. Thankfully, but but when I went out, and I don't, and for me, I think it was a lack of confidence. I would put on this corporate Dave persona. I would be in a boardroom, and I sucked. I, like it just wasn't good. It was so uncomfortable and awkward, and you can't connect with people and. Um and then in the so sort of I went through a process of just really trying to tap into well who am I and who am I going to present as and there's a, there's a longer story around that where I was in a boardroom um and it was a pretty conservative company and there was a question posed to me they're looking at working with coaches and and I gave uh, I said this is my opportunity to be me and I gave an authentic response and, and include me getting emotional and it, and I and I walked out of that and go well you know at least I was true to myself um, and, but I'll probably never get a lick of business from these guys, and I end up working with the majority of them. So it, it was really powerful reinforcement. And I know when people are going through that process of being themselves versus being what they think mm-hmm. they should be. Yeah. What was that like for you, Jake? Like, how how did you how did you make that transition?
3: I would say it was much more gradual because there is there's no question that in selling homes. People expect and want a certain amount of aggressiveness and confidence and everything else. And so we've all got our idea of what that's supposed to look like because we see it. We see it on TV. We see it in the magazines. We see it in everything else. And so naturally, the inclination is to try that. And I did try that, and it did work to a degree. But once I had a certain amount of business that I was happy with, and once I saw more business coming from friends and friends of those friends and once I sold a couple homes to some people and they sent their friends to me and I had these more natural relationships with people coming in, once I had the confidence to to just kind of be myself a little bit more, um, it, it really went smoothly. You know, one of the big things for me was um, being able to start using some humor in the business. <laughs> and once that started, once I was able to play with that a little bit, it It allowed me to use something that I always felt need to kind of bottle up and put aside. Hmm. And uh, once I was able to start using a little bit of humor, I started having a lot more fun in the business. And when you start having a lot more fun, you know, the best way to put it is this. I'm sure that some of the marketing stuff that I've done, there are some people out there that look at it and say, that guy's a goofball. I'll never use him. And that's okay because you get to the point where, you know, you're only going to have so much of a slice of the pie anyway. But what does happen is that the other people out there that think that's really funny, that guy's doing something different, they're calling me. And so I've got more clients that kind of enjoy the type of style that fits me anyway, because they know now that I'm willing to try things and willing to maybe use some humor or try some different marketing stuff. And they're drawn to me and the people that want kind of a stuffy real estate agent, um, they can go to stuffy real estate agents, that's fine. Everyone's got a different style, right? And it, where it is relationships, You have to accept at some point that it's not going to work with everyone and you're not going to work really well with everyone. Right. And that's okay too.
1: So uh, Dave, I've got, there's a list of hilarious uh, real estate science that, that Jake is known for. And the funny thing is, is once you start seeing other real estate agents in the city doing funny things, you know, it came from Jake. I'm going to give you one example. And then Jake, you got to tell, you got to tell them about uh, what you had in front of Ray Seward's house. But the example (laughs) that blew my mind was, He found this little fishing shack down the Renforth Wharf during fishing season, ice fishing season, and he put a big waterfront property listing (laughs) on this little tiny itsy bitsy, uh, did you ever sell it, Jake? (laughs) No, I'll tell you, but I'll tell you what came of that. And there's a bit of a story behind
3: that. That one was very strategic. It seemed like it was just like a, a, a humor thing but it actually starts with Ray Seward's place. And you mentioned that. And, and if this story wanders too much, bring me back. And no, me, wa- wandering
1: is what we do in the, in the, in the boiling point box, just so you know. Here's what
3: happened. I had a couple of things go viral online and I saw the way it affected my business. The first one was Ray Seward's place. So here's a home that I'd had listed for, you know, over a year, had an accepted offer that fell apart to the point where we had the deposit, we had the sold sign up in front of the house and then the deal fell apart. And we had to put the for sale sign back up. And so we were concerned that it was stigmatized. And, and Ray is a very, very funny guy, as is his wife. And um, And we had some good conversations about different things that we could do. And previously, I had, do you know what a rider is? The little signs that hang underneath yeah. real estate signs? Yeah. It might say, well, it might yeah. say walking. Pump or whatever, yeah. I had one that said indoor plumbing. I had it made as a joke. This <laughs> on, I drove it on friends' homes and I listened. <laughs> like, this is a joke. So I had this sign as an indoor plumbing.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's clever. Kind of, oh, my God. Sorry.
3: Well, it, it, gets it gets out. better. It gets better. Keep going, Jake. Uh, <laughs> stuff that we could do at Ray's Place, like have a little parade, have, have a one-year anniversary listed sign or something like that. And, and I said, i got this indoor plumbing sign. We should put that up and see if we get some attention. And we put it up, and we got some good local attention. It was posted on Facebook and on Twitter, and it bounced around a fair bit. And and then we we decided, you know, this is getting attention. We should change it every week. And the next week, I put up not haunted.
1: Not, and not haunted.
3: I've never <laughs> seen anything like it. Like I knew that locally it would get some attention, but it was it almost ground me to a halt with radio interviews. Really. Uh, New, newspaper, Wall Street Journal, like honestly, it was insane. California, uh, Wall Street uh, in Journal year-
1: covered this. It's crazy.
3: Wall Street oh Journal God. covered it. It was it was insanity. And what happened was, I got, I acquired a lot of business from that. I got a lot of attention for the listing which made a big difference. It renewed the hope for the sellers, which is great because they were getting discouraged. They've been on the market a long time, Mm -hmm. but also got a lot of attention on my side and on my business. Now, importantly, I had a couple very well-intentioned phone calls from other real estate agents, successful real estate agents that I'd taken a lot of good advice from. Uh, And they called me to say, Jake, you know what you're doing is getting a lot of attention but it's, it's really not very professional. And there's <laughs> oh, one, really? one person to say that there's no room for humor in real estate. Really? And, and I was taken aback. And I thought, well, I've had good advice from these people in the past. Maybe I should reconsider. But the fact of the matter is every week or two we changed that sign, and it did have an impact. And it got to the point where people are driving by Douglas Avenue just to see the
1: sign. I was one of them. Like, like, I, 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 like There's so many hilarious ones. What's, what's a couple others that, that, that you had? Another one, the next year, last year, last year, and it wasn't even a funny sign, but
3: another one that got tremendous attention on my business was I had a house that I'd had listed for a year. Another agent before me had it listed for two years. So the house had been an on and off the market for three years. And when I finally sold it, when we finally got the deposit after the inspection and everything else, I called the homeowner to say, we've got the deposit, the place is sold. And she said, are you going to hang a sold sign? I said, yes, I am. I'm going to hang it today. She said, how big a sold sign do you have? And I didn't have a big one, but I had a lot of small ones. So I hung four of those little sold riders right to the point where it touched the grass. (laughs) Right down down to the ground. Sold, 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 sold. (laughs) um, But it was right on the main road in the Gondola Point Road in Rossing. And everyone saw it. I mean, it just showed how excited we were that it was sold. Yeah. other sellers thought, and I picked up a lot of business from that because everyone saw the excitement and just having those four riders. It made the telegraph journal, made the rounds on Facebook. But again, I got this big wave of business after I did that really simple little thing that no one else ever does. No one ever hangs more than one sold sign. Um, and it's funny because an agent, another agent called the called the town of Rossi to say that my sign didn't comply with zoning bylaws.
2: Oh, we'll oh, see. Please. I was just like, so this is what I was wondering. Well, there's two things that are going in my head. I mean, one, I, I, I haven't laughed that hard in a while about the indoor plumbing. I, I wasn't. I don't know. I think I may have heard about it, but I would <laughs> forgotten. So I mean, I just I love the 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 fun you have with it. So I'm curious about where the ideas come from, the creative side, because we talk about you know how important creativity. Can, can is. I
1: start his answer for you? Okay, but and then the, okay, and then yeah, I'll yeah. go to the second one. Cool. Well, 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 actually, let's ask Jake. Can, yeah, yeah. can Greg? Yeah. Can he start your answer? Please. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've, I I met Jake in, oh, I, probably grade eight, let's say, or grade nine. Um, yeah, around there. Maybe even, yeah, somewhere around there. Anyway, um, Jake used to be on this uh, Rogers, not Rogers, yeah, it was the Fundy Cable, like the, the local community television yeah, station. Yeah. He had yeah, a yeah. TV show called 4D TV, and it was hilarious. And, like, uh, we had a rock and roll band back then, when we, we played on... Uh, on 4 TV a couple times. And in fact, I found the VHS tapes recently. And Jake, right from that age on, was an absolute comedian. They, they had characters on there. Do you remember uh, Basketball Head Man, or whatever his name was? Like, like the- basketball
3: Head Man, and then there was Sleeping Bag for a Body Man. That's and Sleeping Bag for a Body Man, he had a sleeping bag for a body.
1: Was- <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying, <laughs> yeah. Dave? So, so listen to this. From there... Uh, I started to realize that Jake was into cars. And you might hear Jake uh from time to time on CBC radio talking uh, about cars, you know? So, another great marketing thing, not a, a, nothing to do with real estate. But uh, he used to have this little le Car. Correct me if I'm wrong, Jake. Le car? Yeah. Yeah. So, and he got the greatest glee out of trying to destroy this car. And I remember him telling me that he had one gear left on this, on this little car, and he's going to take it over the Harbor Bridge and keep driving it as fast as he can until it blew up. And these yeah. are the creative things that, that would come out of Jake Palmer. And then in university, I started getting into Volkswagen vans, and Jake would come over for hours, days and days and days, and we would take engines apart, and And Jake was just so... He didn't, you know, didn't have a, a background in mechanics, but so creative to figure this stuff out. And we spent a lot of time getting greasy underneath vehicles together. So that's the first part. And of course, I'll let Jake finish it, but he comes from a long lineage of creative living. It's Jake over to you. Yeah, yeah. How
3: do you, how do you talk and that? How do you how do you explain? I, I would say, I would say too that, you know, my first couple of years in the business, I kind of felt the need to shelve that part of my life and that kind of goodness. And I had this new identity as a real estate agent, I've got to be professional. And, you know, it's a funny thing because you bring cars into it. And and one of the nice things about starting to have some, some success is that I kind of decided I'm going to just start buying whatever I want for cars. And I've had some really nice cars in the last few years. And I've always loved Porsches since I was a kid. So I've got a couple older Porsches and cool around with those. And then you start to feel maybe I am showing the image of the real estate agent a little too much. These last six months, the only vehicle I've had that's working is a $1,500 Chevy half ton that looks like it was stolen from the dump and so it did the bare minimum to pass inspection. And I, I, I was very self conscious about it because I've started driving around in Mercedes and Porsches and everything else. And all of a sudden, I'm pulling up to listing appointments in a truck that <laughs> my only my only rules for this truck when I loan it out are that you're not allowed to put gas in it. And if you borrow it, you have to either dent it or scratch your name in it. So, I mean, it, there is not a straight panel on the truck. And there are literally people's names scratched down the side of it. And I'm pulling up to listing appointments on $700,000 homes. It's, <laughs> I'm not kidding. I've been and it for six months. And I'll, but I, it's the hurt because people do kind of wonder sometimes, I'm sure. But I'll say, look, I apologize in advance for devaluing your property by pulling up in this truck. But... You know, I've been renovating a home this summer, and so I'm going to the hardware store. I'm going to the dump. I'm picking stuff up, and it's just—it's the most sensible thing for me to use. Besides the fact that my other cars are torn apart, um, and so even then, that perception thing—you realize it's not as important as we think it is all the
1: time. Well, it's because uh, p- people know you, and you're. Think- and here's one last thing about the vehicle: is uh, he's got a gorgeous Porsche. I don't know what—somewhere so- in the '80s. Hey, hey, Jake, what's the year of your black Porsche?
3: Uh, I- I've got a 1981 that's more of a project vehicle and a 1991 that's, you know, okay. and, and this is the thing with the 1990, you know, it's all-wheel drive.
2: Mm-hmm. It's
3: got for the kids and uh, and it's they're tremendously reliable vehicles for less than you pay for a, you know, new Subaru. Well, it's, it's I, true.
1: And and the fact that you show up and you make sure that it's muddy and dirty and disgusting looking, that's how you balance <laughs> it. You can still drive that dream car which is your most perfect car for functionality. But yeah. you, you're not afraid to show up with a little bit of mud in the tires. <laughs> oh,
3: look! And, and the kid in the back, and the license plate says P Van."
2: <laughs> so, here, so, 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 yeah. the, so, Jake, the second part of what I was going to ask you is where. where the, now I'm, clear, I'm I'm, Well, the fact that you've been hanging out with Greg is a is a is an eye open or not an eye opener, but it helps understand that creative piece. Um, so I get that. It sounds like you hang out with creative people, uh, and it sounds like you guys had a lot of fun. Jeez, I'd love to see those tapes you're describing. Um, but yeah. the other thing is, uh, no, I was just wondering, like, you know, so when people start pushing back and saying you're not supposed to be funny, you're making us uh, all sound like a joke, and da 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 da. You know, I mean, yeah, they may really mean that and feel that and and, you know, who knows where it's coming from. I'm sure there's some jealousy or whatever. But um but you know, that could stop the person in his tracks or her tracks. You know, what what keeps you from, you know, say not letting it stop you?
3: Well, I mean, that's the part where after a while you realize that you are getting some success from it. And when you start and I'm I'm actually very careful about measuring my success. And and charting out my goals and where I'm supposed to be and, and, and what I'm doing to get a good time. And also seeing where my business is coming from. And I'll tell you, and, and this is gonna bring the story back to the fishing shack. I recognized at one point after that that not haunted sign on Douglas Avenue, and then last summer, when I had that whole row of sold signs, I recognized that every time I had something, even if it's goofy, but every time I had something go relatively viral, even just locally, doesn't have to be in the Wall Street Journal, but even locally, if something gets attention, I get a significant bump in business. And this year, for a variety of reasons, I needed that bump of business early. And so I was trying to think of something I could do to get that bump and get a wave of listings well in advance of the season instead of waiting for the spring season. And that's when the fishing shack thing came around. Because knowing that when I have something go viral and get some attention, even if it's just through humor, if I acquire business from it, just from being goofy and being myself, if I did that in January and started the year with a wave of listing, I'd be better placed this year for what I wanted to do. And so the fishing shack thing, just I'd strive by the Fourth Wharf and I said, I ought to list one of those things <laughs> and do and, – but you know what? I didn't just list it for sale and put a sign on it. I hired – I bought a professional photographer in to get pictures I shot a video tour. I made a fantastic <laughs> description for it because my intent was, yes, it's goofy, but I wanted people to see that listing for a fishing shack and think, wait a second. The pictures of this fishing shack and the description and the video tour are better than the pictures of the listing that I have on MLS right now. Nice. I want to see that, yeah, okay, it's goofy, but at the same time, look at the quality of the presentation of this listing.
1: And and, it, it was beautiful. It was a beautiful shack, too. Like, you chose a nice looking shack.
3: Oh, man. It had it open concept. It had ready access to uh, daily
2: uh,
3: fishing. <laughs> it was a nice fishing shack. Can people see uh, that still I, now? Like,
2: can yeah. people view it? Like, this, because I'd love no, to see it.
3: The real seat board made me take it down.
1: Oh, I'm sure it's going to be on your website, though. So, well, talk
2: about a disruptor. You talk about wanting, you know, one of the things we want to do, Jake, is. Interview disruptors too, right? And man, you—I mean—that's that's a great way of just setting the you know yeah. your industry on its head
1: completely. And, and, and <laughs> here's one other thing, uh, Dave. Uh, the thing that Jake didn't tell you was that fishing shack actually did have indoor plumbing. Uh, <laughs>
3: Yeah, it did have indoor
1: <laughs> It's a big hole in the ice, you know.
3: <laughs> practically on that one, I knew that the real estate board was going to take it down, and I knew that I'd be getting complaints from other real estate agents. But the way the real estate board works, I put that listing through at four thirty on a Friday afternoon, knowing that they couldn't take it down till Monday. Once the real estate board closes, people can complain all they want all weekend long, but I was going to get Friday, Saturday. Sunday until Monday morning when they take it down, that I'd get my four days of attention on that listing. (laughs) listing
1: Did did, did you you get a a slap on the wrist, Jake? Well, they
3: said that as a movable structure, it doesn't qualify as real estate. Now, in fact, there are many, many hunting cabins and, and, uh, and many, many properties that are listed that have to be moved once they're sold. So I thought I had a pretty good case to keep it out, but I knew that it would be pulled and then I'd have to argue my case. So I put it through on a Friday to make sure I at least got three or four days
1: out of it. Jake, this is amazing, man. And listen, I I know that uh, you've got a large day ahead of you uh, trying to sell my cottage today. So, uh, and I, I know you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna rock it. Uh, <laughs> so this is what I'd like to do. Uh, at the yep. end of all of our episodes we like to uh, make sure um, the guest gets to really promote themselves. So how do people find you uh, the website, Twitter, anything how do they engage with you uh, and how do they uh, how do they get in- involved in a bit of this uh, this comedy stream
3: Jake ca. And, uh, and just look for uh, just look for me, Jake Palmer, on Facebook. I, I run, and that's the other thing, too, is I run my uh, run my Facebook page. I don't have a separate business page because I find most of my connections are personal ones through mm-hmm. my personal page. So I, I'm pretty active on Facebook. Twitter, I kind of bounce in and out. I haven't mastered it yet. I'm still working on it, but uh, certainly a strong Facebook presence. And then my website, JakePalmer.ca, and people can see how I present uh, listings on my website.
2: Hey, Jake, I got a request and you can accept sure. you can accept this you can reject this or we can negotiate this i'm sure. on i'm on you just mentioned twitter and stuff i'm just wondering if you can send me a quick tweet uh, about the owner of this cottage that you're trying to sell sure. uh you know um, and it's it's one greg hemmings um, just a little tweet that helps me understand you know how we could help him get his cottage uh, sold quickly but it would be just something you know creative about the owner less about the cottage so my, I, would
1: think I, I love it, it Okay, I love it.
2: my Twitter handle is at Dave underscore Vale. V e a l e.
1: You know, I was thinking, uh, Jake. <laughs> I was at the cottage on the weekend. I got to tell you, this September, this is summer for me. You know, it's beautiful. Oh yeah. At the cottage, and, and the river is super warm right now. Everything's perfect, and uh, I've got this old kind of junky inflatable boat, kind of like a zodiac. And I was yeah. like. I was thinking, you know, what would Jake do? W W J D. What would Jake do? And I was like, we should set, we should try to sell this inflatable dinghy for one hundred ninety nine thousand dollars and throw the cottage in for free. <laughs> well, that's well, good. Touching really me for things like that. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, but no, it, then again, it's the thing,
3: what would Jake do? You know. That's the thing that you have to try. You know, and, and, and you know, I posted the other day about your place on Facebook. Because it was great. It was great. A lot of times people think about summers being the peak period for cottages. I often find that it's September, October that we get a lot of activity and a lot of traffic because people have spent their whole summers hanging out at other people's cottages. And then September comes, and they're kind of summing up their summers. The kids are going back to school, and it's a good time for people to think about cottages and what they're going to do for the next year.
1: I love it. On that note, uh Jake keep, keep the humor up man. You're you're an inspiration for all of us and uh and sure. we'll we'll see you sometime soon for that glass of scotch I told you about.
3: Gladly. I'd enjoy that.
1: Nice meeting you, Jake. I can't wait to meet you in person, buddy.
3: Thanks for you, Dave. Take care. <laughs> see okay. you, Jake. All right. take care, bye.
2: Oh, wait. Hey, I can see why you guys are friends. Great. <laughs> he's Fine. like he, he's
1: a never-ending supply of smiles and uh, e- energy. Like he uh, uh like I, I don't know. You just have to once you engage with him and uh, get to know him a little bit. Um, it's all comedy, and he's he's one of those guys that doesn't stop. Like like I say, you hear him on the radio on CBC on a weekly basis talking about cars. Oh, yeah. You see him helping people drop their engines. You see him doing weird projects. Like for example. Uh, one of his big projects was uh, converting his vehicles to completely veggie oil, and this is way before anybody knew what that meant. So he'd go up to the city market, because he used to work at Jeremiah's, and he would get veggie oil from every vendor that he'd get oil from, used oil, yeah. and he created veggie oil uh, run run vehicles. Yeah, I
2: heard about that. Oh, okay, this is really interesting. So, um, and you know, on, on a serious note, I, I think there's a really, for me, there's a really good message, a really strong message, and I think of... The work I do with um, executives around this is that is this is this piece called authentic leadership, right? So how do we help people tell their story in an authentic way where people can connect with you know with us as individuals? Um, and not uh, the title on our business card, mm-hmm. or um, you know, you know, an award-winning, an award-winning filmmaker like Greg Hammett. You know what I mean? Like, how do they get to just know Greg, but also you know the brilliance of the person, and also the professionalism? But they can be really themselves, and it's not an easy thing to do. And when people, I think, when people start mastering it for themselves, and and he said something really important uh, for me, anyways, is this idea that. That not everyone like you can be, uh, and will will I'll introduce you to someone who describes himself as I'm an acquired taste. You know what I mean? But you know when you acquire that taste, it's great. Like when, so, so it's not going to appeal to everyone. But he's not try- – so what What I hear Jake saying is I'm not trying to appeal to everyone, right? Yeah. Um, but I want to be me and I want to connect with the people that, that this resonates with and they get who this is. And, I mean, that's cool. That shows a lot of confidence and of character. And I love it, man. I love it. So I, thank you so much for introducing yeah, me. Yeah, well, he's, what, he's what, a social just, guy just for sure. Just great energy coming <laughs>
1: from him too, eh? Oh, 100%. I'm, I'm laughing right now just thinking. I'm like – there's, there's other inventions that he's, that he's done back in the day that I'm just laughing about right now. You got to find, I, I have to digitize the 4D TV. In fact, I did. It's on my Facebook. If anybody is my friend on Facebook, Greg Hemmings, somewhere in my videos, I put up an episode, I think, of 4D TV. Look, check it out. Brilliant. On that note, keep in touch. Uh, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, Twitter is at BoilingPointPod. Our website is BoilingPointPodcast.com and our Facebook is Boiling Point. And, uh, yeah, please uh, share. Spread the word. Um, make sure you, you subscribe. And uh, uh, and if you're on Stitcher, you'll uh, you'll hear the latest uh, episode as soon as you press play. So uh, away you go. Dave, we'll see you next week. See you, buddy.
0: Thanks for checking out this episode of Boiling Point. Remember to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Boiling Point Pod. To see more from Dave Vale, check out leadershipunleashed.ca or visioncoachinginc.com and on Twitter at Dave underscore Vale and to catch up with Greg visit Hemmingshouse.com and at Greg Hemmings on Twitter thanks for listening and remember keep that pot boiling